You're listening to the Handmade CEO Podcast. My name is Maria Lauren, small business owner and creative entrepreneur. Each week, we'll discover the steps and motivation that inspire our guests to create income from their skills. Get ready to start learning how to creatively pursue your dream job by crafting it yourself. Thank you for tuning in to episode 70. I'm so excited for you to hear all about the journey that guided Kelly into becoming a coach. She's an expert at all things Alaska and has a gift for making a connection between overcoming struggles and achieving growth with the help of nature. If you've been looking for a coach that's an expert at adventure, you're in for a treat. Hi, Kelly. Thank you so much for joining me today. No problem. I'm stoked to be here. I would love to learn all about your passion for adventure and how this led you to coaching. Well, I grew up in the mountains of Washington State. And so I grew up around the mountains and camping and everything else and actually lost it. When my parents split, I ended up in California and then I was in the city and everything else. And it was as I came back to becoming an adult and making my own decisions, graduating from college. I desperately wanted to get back into the mountains. And so skiing was really my portal back in, started watching ski movies. And then it just became this doing things for the sake of doing them. I have this inner drive that I, to this day, I don't understand where it comes from. And it just really propelled me into continuing to seek novel experiences through the sport. And then it grew into other sports and I don't know, it just lights me up. So that's why I keep doing it. And how did that lead into coaching? My love for adventure spilled over into my career. And I thought, well, if I'm going to be in oil and gas, I want to go into the lion's den. and I want to go to the Middle East, right? I want to go over there and see what it's like for myself before I adopt any societal opinions about, about what it is. And with the security crisis with Iran, they sent all the Americans home from Iraq and said, you have three months to find a job in the company or take a severance package and move on. And, and when I looked at my career, I thought the most fulfilling part of what I've done as a manager has been actually working with people, helping people achieve their dreams and coaching them. And so I decided that I would pivot my career into coaching as my career rather than managing operations as an avenue to coach. (laughs) I have so many great lessons to share and so many tactics I've learned over time from the mountains, from my career, from my formal training. And now it's just become a a really fabulous experience of, of doing just that and working with people to achieve their seemingly impossible dreams. When I was on your site, I noticed that you also had some classes for say biking or um, backpacking. Are those part of the things that you offer too as part of coaching? One thing I joke about, I'm like, I am not a guide. Guiding is a whole different skill set out there. What I offer though is Alaska experiences where I take people outside and we work together outside. So maybe you're imagining your dreams or maybe you're brainstorming about the life you really want or solving a problem. And what better place to do that than from the top of a mountain staring out at a beautiful view or in the forest surrounded by the deep, peaceful energy of super huge trees and and lush ferns. I find that nature helps us connect with our authentic selves and our, our deeper knowledge And so I do offer nature-based coaching or experiences, and and that can kick off then a longer coaching relationship as a a follow-up. And so out of all of your adventures, what would you say is your favorite? My favorite is probably (laughs) the time, that one time I skied Aconcagua, which is the tallest mountain in South America. 
And it's a really long story if I tell the whole thing, but basically that is the time that I learned that dreams really do come true. And I like to say that as a result, I'm kind of burdened by no longer being able to say like, oh, impossible things can't happen. Those are for other people because that was a dream that I almost didn't dare to have. And it came together and fell apart and came together and fell apart and and constant forward motion will take you far. And somehow, somehow amazing connections and impossible things happened. And I ended up skiing from the summit in perfect powder snow, which is kind of impossible on a mountain that high with people I had just met. And it all just came together. And it was like so magical that I still can't believe it happened. So if I had to choose one single thing, it would probably be adventure gives us challenges. And when we are driven from this internal place. So when we've harnessed intrinsic motivation, that motivation that's just in us versus something that we think we're supposed to do or something like that, and then we show up to a challenge and rise to it, then we learn. So let me say that more articulately. So for me, as I said earlier, I have this drive for skiing that I almost don't understand, right? And so I'm so intrinsically motivated. So when I'm presented with challenges in the mountains or opportunities or or undesirable events, I'm really motivated to figure it out because I want to be there so badly. What we're learning from neuroscientists today is a lot about adult neuroplasticity. So how can adults learn? It used to be this idea that like you learn when you're a kid and then you stop learning. Actually, we're finding out that adults learn as well in some cases as children. And there's two things that are really required. One is urgency and the other is focus. And so both of those things are present in the mountains and doing anything that you're so intrinsically motivated for. A lot of the work I do is around flow states. So flow is when you perform your best and it's an actual state of consciousness. Well, what's interesting is when you're in a flow state, you get some really powerful neurochemicals, dopamine, norepinephrine, anandamide, endorphins, serotonin. And here's what's great about those. They're such great chemicals that they signal to your brain, this is important, remember this. So let's take it then all the way back. So I'm intrinsically motivated, I'm in the mountains, so there's a sense of urgency for what I'm learning. And then I figure it out, I learn the lesson, and because I'm in flow when I'm doing it, my brain remembers it. Right. And so it actually rewires and, and, and actually neuroplasticity brain changes. And then I, I now have learned this lesson and, and you can't give it back. Right. So then you come back to life. Actually, there you go. You just apply it and, and you actually are changed through these experiences. It's pretty cool to have spent my life doing it. And then now understanding some of the dynamics behind it is pretty exciting. It seems like in a world where Google has the answer for everything, it must be invaluable to have the ability to physically and mentally overcome a challenge. I imagine that translates into so much more success in life if you're able to use that skill, that, that muscle that you're, you're able to tap into. Absolutely. And, and I think Google has the answers for a lot of things, but even the best artificial intelligence can't take the place of the amazing capacity of the human brain. We all have it in us. And, and certainly my coaching is to give people access to their own version of it, to their own ideas, to their own inner knowledge, to their own flow states, where one of the 
coolest things that happens in flow is called pattern recognition. And so we come up with new ideas because it's an actual state of consciousness, right? Different parts of our brain are active. And so when different parts of our brain are active, we can identify new patterns, we can make disparate connections and have those ideas come up with creative solutions and then apply them to our life, right? What what we might realize through a flow state. And it's actually shown that although the flow state might last, you know, 60 to 90 minutes for a long one, the enhanced creativity that comes from it lasts for two days. It can be writing, it can be skiing, it can be walking, it can be playing with your kids. It can be group flow, talking to a friend for, you know, and having a really great conversation. And what it does for our brains is so powerful that it gives us, it gives us enhanced capacity for days after. If we use that to solve our problems, then presto change, that's how we accomplish, you know, what we thought might have been impossible. Oh, that's so exciting. Now a lot of the experiences that I've had in life make sense, like why you feel so invigorated. It's neat to know that there's actually a reason behind it and there's something there. Absolutely. And what's interesting is the chemicals you get in flow all have an equivalent street drug, right? So dopamine is cocaine, norepinephrine is speed, anandamide is marijuana, endorphins is morphine, and serotonin is MDMA. I mean, if you took all five of them, you'd only feel the cocaine. But our brains actually mix these chemicals into the exact correct proportions and timing and everything else to give us this like amazing feeling that we know what people do to to get access to it from a chemical standpoint. We have access to it in our own minds. And so it's pretty, it's pretty awesome that our brains will do that for us. Oh, for sure. That is so fascinating. I'd never knew that. That is so interesting. Well, when did you realize that the lessons that you were learning through your adventures would translate to the obstacles that we face in daily life? I suppose I've always kind of known it, but when my career took me to Oman, I was faced with some of the biggest challenges I've faced in my career, for sure. And I was I was kind of all alone. I was working for BP, which is a British company, and I was one of a few Americans. And then I was at this construction site for a new gas plant. And then I was there through the startup and there were like 8,000 people on site and less than 10 women. And of those 10 women, I was basically the only expat. So I was just kind of on my own. The world thinks that Muslim men are the problem. In my experience, it was, it was the, it was the expats from the UK that were so, 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 so hard on me and kind of all alone. And we're 12 hours time zone change. So it's not like I could really even call home because even if I called home, my night was their morning and, and I didn't really have that much time. I don't know. It was weird. And so I was just kind of like there by myself trying to figure it all out. And, and I would literally ask, how do I already know how to do this? And my brain would just answer and and it would come up with an adventure. I'll, I'll never forget at one point I had made it through this milestone and done this assessment and proven that I could do the thing that my freaking boss would not give me a chance to do. And I asked myself, how do I already know how to do this? And my brain was immediately, my brain said Keeley River. And I was like, oh God, I know exactly where I am. And I had done this trip in 2007. I think it's to date my hardest trip or the least rewarding. I don't know. It it was brutal. (laughs) It was brutal. It was supposed to be a three-day trip. I think it took eight. You know, we'd been living on a thousand calorie a day. 
My legs were purple from hip to knee because of all the bushwhacking that we had had to do. It was the one trip that I truly wondered. I'm like, do we make it? And there was this one point in the trip, we had been bushwhacking for three days because this river that we were intending to float would kill us if we'd gotten in it. It had huge waterfalls in it and it was not going to happen. And so it had taken us three days to walk 10 miles in ski boots with skis on our pack, you know, glacier gear, rafts. We had all this nonsense. It was miserable. And like 16 hours days it was brutal and then we almost got to the river we figured out we were cliffed out you know and like anyways we got out of this cliff we got to the river we were like okay now we're to the river and now it's gonna be easy okay like we've done the hard thing we're gonna make it and actually the river the next morning the first corner we came around was a log jam and like the whole river was like spattered with logs across it and so then we had to consistently be getting out and moving our rafts we realized oh, no. we're in the National Wildlife <laughs> Refuge. And if you're wondering what's in a wildlife refuge um, in Alaska, it's big freaking brown bears. So the, oh. <laughs> the, while it was physically not as hard and it was no longer a question of whether we would make it, it was, let me say that differently. It was less of a question of whether we would make it. It, it didn't get easy. But what was really, really, right. really, 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 really important about when we got to the river, when we got down and the river was mellower and why I knew why it was a meaningful lesson to apply was that was the point at which it was clear that going forward would be better than going backwards. So up until that point, you kind of wondered, like, what if something really goes wrong? And what if we just need to pull the plug and get out of here? Like, would it be better to go backwards or forwards? Because we didn't know what was coming when we weren't that far away from the glacier. And like, once you got back on the ice field, there was a strong argument that going back would be more straightforward. But once we got to the river, it was clear that it was better to fail forward than fail backwards. And, and that was a really, really, really important and calming thing on that particular trip because it, it's helpful to know to know which way you'd go if you wanted to give up. And so right. when I asked yeah. myself in Oman, how do I already know how to do this? And my brain said Keeley River. I knew exactly where I was on the Keeley. I was like, I'm at the river. And and it helped me understand it doesn't mean it's gonna get easier. It doesn't mean, I mean, now come the log jams and the big effing bears. But what it means is fail forward. It's not don't pull the plug and give up on everything. Just fail forward and finish the trip. And that gave me a lot of calm and peace to to have a context for what I was doing and then confidence that I could pull it off just like I finished that trip safely. It's an amazing tool to to refer back to your own experiences and and ask yourself, how do I already know this? As you may already know, I'm a huge fan of selling on Etsy. I've had over 10 years of selling my jewelry and digital cards there, and to be honest, it is by far the easiest platform to navigate. It takes no time at all to list an item with a smartphone, and really that's how I get most of my products in my shop. To make it easier for you to get started, I'm sharing a link in the show notes for you to open your shop with 40 free listings. That should motivate you to finally take that first step and get your shop online. If you're looking to finally open your store with absolutely nothing to lose, now is the time to try Etsy. Now back to the show. That's amazing. With all this adventure stuff that you do with the coaching too, what level of fitness or experience 
do you think is necessary if you're considering doing a coaching trip? So number one, I offer coaching completely virtually and using what I've learned to help other people. If people want to come to Alaska and do an experiential coaching, we'll just cater it to where people are at, right? So to get into the forest and stand amongst huge trees and, and ferns and, and the power of, of a rainforest is a five minute walk from a roadside, right? Alaska is so beautiful from any place. There's easy ways to get to panoramic vision and, and beautiful views away from people. And the benefit of, of working with me is I know the state like the back of my hand. And so I, and I have my little, my little Zen places that I disappear to when I need it. There's nothing like writing in your journal next to a river because you watch water flow and you're like, look at it, look at it. Just, it gets to the rocks and it gets white water and it gets churned up and it just keeps flowing. So does life right? Exactly. And as far as running your business goes, what does that look like? Is it one session? Do you do monthly, weekly checkups? How does that work? So if it's an experiential, then the experience is, is to kick off the brainstorming piece of it, right? The vision setting, the the honing in on, on the goals and, and the vision that, that we're going to work together to, to achieve. And so that kind of kicks off a six-month coaching session. We can do that session without Alaska. That, that initial kickoff brainstorming visioning can be done virtually to kick off its own six months. But I, I do coaching in six month blocks, biweekly sessions. So once every other week, and then check-ins between if people have a quick question or quick text or email or quick chat, I'm here to support and, and help maintain progress. So, and I find that in six months, of really focused working together, then it's amazing what, what people are able to accomplish. On that note, what advice would you have for someone facing a crossroad in life? Like if they're not quite exactly at the point where they're ready for coaching? I think one of the most helpful tools for crossroads is standing at a place in time where the decision is more. So let me say that differently. Asking yourself in 10 years, what do I want life to be like, right? Imagining what that is and then saying, okay, in the context of that, if, if that's where I want to be in 10 years, what does that mean I should do now? And, and if anything else, that gives context to like how important it really is. You know, so for example, one of my biggest decisions that I agonized over so badly was UCLA or UC Berkeley. Ultimately, I, I couldn't make a bad decision, right? It's not like either of those are bad colleges. I went to UCLA, but I'm like, why didn't I go to Cal Berkeley? What I wanted was the mountains. I thought about doing all these sports in LA. But ultimately what I did was I joined the outdoor program at UCLA and actually ended up guiding trips and, and found my people because there were a group of us that were kind of like, how the heck did we end up here? And we seemed to all find each other and then work together as guides <laughs> for other students. And, and I ended up learning a bunch of hard skills and, and having some awesome, awesome experiences. But 10 years down the road, the goal was to be able to have a job, be independent and, and create the life I wanted in the place that I wanted. And so in that way, it gave me the context that I couldn't make a bad decision. It's not like either of those was going to make or break the achieving of, of my larger goal. When you can't make a bad decision, it, it's kind of like thinking about how you'll work each decision to be in alignment with progress toward that goal. Because we can make things work for us differently by the way we show up to them. So there's no easy way to get through, through a really difficult crossroads or a redefinition or anything else, which is why we have coaching and, and why, why, why it is a business and, and why I encourage people to, to pursue it. Certainly my coaches have helped me through, through hard times. 
I do think it's invaluable to be able to have somebody guide you through those things because when you're stuck, sometimes it's you know impossible to to even imagine what it might look like ten years from now. What coaches do that's valuable is externalize it. Right, we can do a lot ourselves. But what we lack the capacity to do is not be in our own heads. We don't have the perspective on our own situation. By definition, we don't have it. Another way that we can externalize is by writing. That's a tactic people can use as well. But coaches are able to help externalize something, break it down and chunk it down and reflect back what the coachee is expressing and then help the coachee get better perspective on their own situation that just isn't accessible from within. Sometimes I think in our culture, we feel like we need to be able to do it all and asking for help is weakness and showing vulnerability is weakness. And I certainly stand on the other side of the coin that vulnerability is courage. Asking for help is a skill set. And we're not supposed to know how to do everything. We're supposed to know how to do what we know how to do. And, and then we need to learn the rest of it, right? <laughs> and we can learn. So if we show up to our challenges and we show up to them as opportunities to learn and we take on any crossroads as, okay, this is when I'm going to go all in on this and I'm going to get to my most authentic answer. And on the other side of it, I know I'm going to be a deeper, truer version of myself and I'm going to learn something about myself that I didn't know. And that's going to create more freedom in the future because in my case, I'm always on a quest for a deeper, truer more authentic life. And, and the more I can connect to my inner wisdom and the more I can create that authentic life, harness that intrinsic motivation, stack passion and purpose, then, then the happier and more fulfilled I am. And, and certainly the studies back all of that up. I think it's so important that you're saying that it's important to be vulnerable and to ask for help because it does seem like it could lead to further problems if you're constantly trying to tackle everything alone. I feel like in the past, maybe people hit it a little bit if they had coaches or if they were getting help from somewhere. And now it seems like it's becoming more acceptable to have that person to bounce ideas back and forward with or just even achieving dreams because it seems so lonely when you have a dream and <laughs> you don't have somebody to share that with or to help you push through to, to achieve it. Totally agree. Well, what is the best way to connect with you? So the, the easiest way is through my website and that's at ironladycoaching.com. And just a quick story about why it's Iron Lady Coaching. That was my nickname in Oman because the Omanis when I was there were just the greatest ever, but they didn't quite know what to do with me. You know, like they didn't really <laughs> mountain climbing, managing women, you know, all the time. But what was beautiful about them is they never made it wrong. And so what they called me was the Iron Lady. So when somebody would say, oh, that's not for ladies, they would be like, no, 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 it's the Iron Lady. Don't worry about it. It's fine. Oh, and It's the Iron Lady. She's fine. Like, no, 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 it's different. She's the Iron Lady. Um, or I would come back and they'd be like, what did you do in your time off? And I would tell them, they'd be like, that's the Iron Lady, you know? <laughs> And, and, and it, was, it was what they called me to make sense of me. So that's why I named my coaching Iron Lady Coaching and, and my website's ironladycoaching.com. And from that, you'll actually get access to my whole site, which has tons of adventure stories, ski stories, travel stories, mountain biking stories. And if you want to get lost in, in dreams and, and inspiration, then, then it's all there for you. But on the ironladycoaching.com page, people can sign up for a free session. I do some pretty powerful sessions called Vision into Action with Velocity to help people get clear on the mountain they want to climb and to leave inspired and encouraged 
to do that. Thank you, Kelly. You've inspired me to live life to the fullest. <laughs> well, that's my goal. I said as a child that the biggest yeah. compliment is to be called inspirational. So, Oh, absolutely. Yeah, your page is just mind-blowing. <laughs> my life has been filled with, with many an adventure and many a story. Well, there you have it, my friend, another fascinating story to help motivate you along your journey. Whether you're looking for a coach or maybe even considering being one, there are so many avenues to pick from. I love that Kelly has developed an experience-based approach. The more times you're able to find your way through or past an obstacle, the more your brain can remember the pattern to success. It may not always look the way you intended, but the key is to reflect on the outcome and appreciate it as growth. It's far too easy to blow right past a goal or obstacle in pursuit of the next milestone. But with the right amount of pause and reflection, our brains begin to grow in confidence and in trusting that we can find our way through anything. Visit the show notes to connect with Kelly and to see her amazing adventure pictures. Kelly is truly living life to the fullest. I'll see you next time. Thank you so much for listening to the Handmade CEO podcast. Don't forget to check the show notes to get a glimpse of today's featured guest and special offers. If you love the show, leave a review and share this episode with a friend. Thanks for tuning in. Now it's your turn to start handcrafting your dream job.